Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas's ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon on a Thursday. It is time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here with all of today's top sports stories. Aaron? The Phoenix Suns are gearing up to face the Clippers on Sunday in the first round of the NBA playoffs. So how much pressure is on the team this postseason? Suns GM James Jones told Burns and Gable yesterday. I mean, there's healthy pressure. Uh, I don't think anyone puts more pressure on our players than and our coaches um, than they do. Um, they wouldn't be here if they didn't uh, believe uh, that they could win and be successful at a high level. So that pressure that's high on the Suns. Our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, what is more likely, Suns in four or series goes seven games? Oh, man. That's a good one. That is good. I, I got to say it goes seven games. It's more likely that it will go seven games. Yeah. Because I think of the physicality question we've been talking about. I, I guess if you were saying Suns in four or Clippers win in seven, I'd probably lean Suns in four. But if you're if you're telling me that it, it, this scenario could still be Suns just win in seven, I, I got to go seven then, I guess. I really think it's going to be five or six. This question is kind of highlighting that for myself. But um, I, the Clippers probably get one at least, right? So I guess it's more likely to seven. Wow. That's so, a tough question. Yeah. And the answer shows it. So, 50% say Suns in four. 50% say series goes seven games. Oh, I, I wonder how Suns in four guy voted. Let's go to footage. The NFL draft is exactly two weeks away, and you guys just had on ESPN NFL draft expert Mel Kuyper Jr., and you guys asked him about the Cardinals and the third overall pick. I don't, I, I'm hearing all this stuff about Houston now maybe moving out of two, which or not taking a quarterback. I don't know what the deal is there when you have a C.J. Stroud or a Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and you don't have a quarterback, or you're going to wait till next year. Uh, Houston kind of baffles me a little bit, but they surprised us last year taking Derek Stingley Jr. over Sauce Gardner, and Maybe they'll do it again, which would make Harry. Can you imagine if they took somebody other than a quarterback, how valuable that Arizona pick would be at three? So what should the cards do if the Texans take Will Anderson at two? Well, normally it would be Jalen Carter, but you know, with the character concern, I get that. Uh, then you say, okay, if we're going to just get a haul, we're going to get a haul back in return for the third pick. Let's go ahead and trade that pick. What do you guys think about what you heard from Mel Kuyper Jr.? First of all, Houston should have taken Sauce Gardner, so they already messed this up once. Um, We were talking during one of the breaks, Wolf and I, of if you are in that group where you want to trade down anyway, you actually kind of want Houston to take Will Anderson, right? Right. Because then it takes that decision out of your hands. But but it also, your pick is even more valuable if C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson are still on the board. Oh, my goodness. Um, I want Will Anderson based on my favorite scenario is the Arizona Cardinals trade down to number four with the Colts. The Colts get up to number three because they know they have to get up to number three. They take a quarterback, and, of course, Will Anderson is still there at number four, and you actually get some draft capital. 
capital, which is that's my number one scenario. But if, in fact, that doesn't happen, my number two scenario would be not Will Anderson at number three. It would be that. Will Anderson goes to Houston. Suddenly, Houston takes Will Anderson, and you would get a truckload. I like that more, too, because then that means Will Anderson doesn't go to Seattle at five. Yes. So you get more, and he's on Houston. Yes. uh, Where he's not going to bother you. That would be a slam dunk, because somebody would come at number three like you have no idea. The future of DeAndre Hopkins in a Cardinals uniform is still up in the air as Cards head coach Jonathan Gannon addressed the situation on Tuesday. Well, we'll see. You know, I've been in, in communication with D-Hop, and um, I want to do what's best for him and us at the same time. So when he's ready to come, he'll come and, and uh, improve his game, too. And yesterday, ESPN's Adam Schefter discussed the factors that could be hurting a D-Hop trade. He would, I believe, be willing to play for a lesser contract, but he probably probably would want to be able to pick his spot, which makes it a complicated situation for Arizona. The fact of the matter is, we're now into April. We're getting closer to the draft. Everybody has known all along that Arizona is open to dealing DeAndre Hopkins, and nobody has been willing to get the trade done so far because you have to satisfy, first and foremost, DeAndre Hopkins, and second, you have to satisfy the Cardinals. To do both, I think, is very difficult do you ultimately think Hopkins will be a member of the Cardinals when the season kicks off? Uh, I ultimately don't think he's ever going to play another game for the Cardinals. I, he's probably just going to get dealt. But even if he somehow doesn't, and he's still technically a member of the Cardinals at the start of the year, I don't think he's going to be playing for the Cardinals. I, I think the two sides right now, Wolf, have, have had an amicable breakup. And they're being right. forced to still live together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically what very it difficult. Is. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, for me right now, DeAndre Hopkins has a no trade clause. It's not in his contract anymore because of the violation, right? Because of that, um, it's no longer a situation where they can't do it. But for me, again, when I think about it. Um, He's in control. And the reason why he's in control, basically, is because a team has got to be able to talk to DeAndre Hopkins and come to an agreement, not only on a contract, but whether or not D-Hop wants to play for that team. So now the Cardinals can line up suitors for trades, and yet D-Hop can basically say, I don't want to play for you. And that immediately is acting like a no-trade clause even though he doesn't have the no-trade clause anymore. Doesn't have the right to it because of the PED suspension. So, that's what stinks. He still has a no-trade clause, basically, in his contract, even though he doesn't. Does that make sense? Yep. And then really quickly, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. led the Diamondbacks to a second series win in a row as they took down the Brewers yesterday, 7-3. So here's a little fact, guys. Three teams still haven't lost a series this season in baseball. Those teams being the New York Yankees, Tampa Bay Rays, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's The Rays haven't even lost a game yet. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I did the I math. Know. That's on, pretty incredible, too, by the way. I did the math on this after the, the show yesterday, Wolf. Obviously, teams playing the D-backs are 5-8 and because the D-backs are 8-5, and five, right? Did you see the team's records? 
that the D-backs have played when they're not playing the D-backs this year. They're 16-8. and eight. <laughs> But obviously not doing that when they're playing against the D-backs. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron, as always. When we come back, how much pressure is on the Phoenix Suns this postseason starting on Sunday? We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! All right, it is time for our hottest ticket qualifier, Wolf. That hottest ticket qualifier for today is William Whithoft from Mesa. William, you have 10 minutes to call 602-260-9870 to qualify for Suns playoff tickets for this Sunday's game against the Clippers. If William Whithoft doesn't call within 10 minutes, then we're going to open the phone lines to somebody else. If you didn't hear your name, you can still qualify by texting TICKET to 620-620 and listen for your name in the 5 o'clock hour. Once again, William Whithoft from Mesa. You have 10 minutes to call 602-260-9870. Hey, Whithoff, let's go. Can I call you Bill? If you're giving them Suns tickets, you can probably call them pretty much anything. Yeah. Yeah. Be a smoking ticket right there. I didn't notice the background music where it's just going fire. Fire. Yesterday until yeah. you pointed it out. Now yeah. it's all I could hear oh, while I was reading. Just <laughs> heard it all night. Uh, <laughs> so... Here we go with the uh, the Suns and the the pressure that look the pressure is going to be on what Milwaukee, Boston, Denver certainly. It does feel like though nationally there's this thought that the pressure is on the Suns specifically because of Chris Paul and specifically specifically because of of Kevin Durant. He talked yesterday about any sort of idea that you know last year's early exit is being used as motivation. He dismissed that. No, nah, I don't think. That. I think guys are self motivated regardless of uh, wins and losses. I think everybody in here wants to be a great ball player, a great teammate. They want to go out there and win basketball games. You know, with you experience, all of that stuff definitely helps you and shapes your thought processes moving forward. But for the most part, you leaning on just wanting to be great yourself and wanting to uh, add some positive to the team. So I, I didn't sense that at all. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. We've got one right there. That is exactly what I'm talking about. You don't want to be externally motivated. Do you learn from that? Of course you learn from that, Basin Ornians. Yes, you will. You always will. You're a human being. Yes, it was a disappointment last year. There's no denying that. But you know what? You ought to be motivated enough internally where this is what you do. This is your job. You get paid this and you get paid handsomely for actually performing. This is what you do. I, I just be internally motivated, my young crunk brothers, not externally motivated. Be internally motivated. Doesn't matter. Every time you take the floor, every time you take the ice, the diamond, the field, whatever it is that you're doing, you do it with everything you've got. Period. That's the way that you want to approach every game as a professional athlete. Yeah, every game. I love that answer. Self-motivated individuals. Don't worry about that. I, I want to know the the legit answer to this, so if I'm wrong, somebody tweet into the show or, or tweeted at me or whatever, but I, I have to think this is the postseason that the Suns are going into with the most pressure 
maybe ever. You know, maybe there was something in the 70s. I don't know. Maybe we should get Al McCoy next time we have him. We'll, well ask him. Do, because, do, do you think the favorite is... Yeah, but I think it's is more a than that. position where you get pressure. Yeah, but but it, but it's more than that because I I actually think they're not even the favorites to win the title. I think that's Milwaukee. No, no, I'm talking about the Western yeah, Conference. But but I'm just saying like okay, so 93 and I wasn't here for this, but any pressure you had to win it all, everybody knew Michael Jordan was at the end of the road. So you were going to have to go through Michael Jordan. I don't think when the playoffs started people were like, "Hey, better win this year or bust." And 2 years ago, yeah, I get they made it to the NBA Finals, but there was no pressure going into those playoffs. It was the first time they've been in the playoffs in over a decade. Nobody thought going in, like the expectations maybe is a better way to put it. Nobody's expectations going into 2021's playoffs were, oh yeah, the Suns are going to win the title. Nobody had that. I thought I was high in terms of expectations. I had them maybe going to the Western Conference Finals that year. Maybe. Um, I mean, I'm sure there were some last year. I mean, there was pressure last year and expectations. But it's different this year. You have one of the best teams and you added Kevin Durant. Anything less than a trip to the finals is going to be considered by a huge portion of not just the Suns fans, but just NBA fans as a major disappointment. Yeah, man, you know, it's amazing because where there is no expectation, there is no pressure based on earnings. There isn't. If, if there's no expectation, how many times have you been in a situation where there was no expectation for you to do something? No, nobody thought you were going to be able to do anything, whatever it may be. Was there pressure? <laughs> no. What do you got to lose? That's the mentality you had at that point in time. If there's no expectation on you to be successful, what do you got to lose? Like you're just describing Orlando. Right I, I know, but I'm just saying, you, it's just Orlando. Why yeah, don't you it's say the magic. There's never any pressure well, on them okay. to win because there's never any expectation. Right. They're just hanging out in the lottery. But, I, but you, what, no matter what it is that you do for a living, Basin Orleans, right? If there's no expectation on you to do anything... Nobody really believes you're going to be capable of doing anything. There's no pressure. <laughs> what do you got to lose? Just go out there and lay it on the line. It's one of the cool things about life, not just professional sports, but life. But there is pressure But here. suddenly, what happens when pressure increases, right? Well, it increases because the expectation increases. And that's exactly what has happened with the Phoenix Suns. Well, Even after the McCall Bridges trade and Cam Johnson, of course, the expectation with Kevin Durant has risen. Be real so about the this, pressure. too. Because two years ago, there was not a lot of expectation. And they responded by, I mean, look, they had the second best record in the NBA two years ago. But it was, you know, it was, kind of, it was still kind of a weird time coming out of everything with the bubble the year before. There was not that much expectation, and they went on that run. If we want to be real about this, there were expectations last year, and they did not respond well in that Dallas series at all. No. I mean, you were up 2-0 in that series, and you thought, okay, you're going to cruise through this, and the second things went wrong, I mean, that was was the definition of a meltdown. I don't think they're going to do it again. We may not see anybody do that again for a long time, but having Kevin Durant, in addition to what he brings to you on the floor— I think helps prevent anything like that from ever even starting to snowball again. Yeah, you know what? The the exact opposite force that you need to fight pressure, Basinonians, is confidence. You need confidence to fight pressure. And that's what KD is dripping of. He's dripping with confidence. You you played some of the cuts from Kevin Durant earlier, and the guy just reeks of confidence. And you know what? I honestly, 
I look at some of the other guys that are lining up and playing alongside KD, of course, like DA and CP3 and even Deep Book to some extent. That helps them a lot. Kevin Durant, a not one, but two-time finals MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Durant is a guy that has all of that confidence, and that gives a lot of aid, comfort, and shelter to Devin Booker, in my opinion, because Book knows I don't have to be the guy every time down the floor. I don't have to be that guy. I think that frees up D-Book to play like a kid all over again. To be I think that, you see it already. You see it. Yeah. I think you do. And then you take D.A. I think D.A., you know, we'll see what kind of impact it has on him. But Chris Paul, Chris Paul, this is his best chance, his best chance to win a championship. And I think he knows that. But I think the confidence that Kevin Durant brings to this team will also help Chris Paul in this series, in the playoffs. Uh, James Jones on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and they asked him if this year's team is more built to handle the, the grind of the of the playoffs. I mean, we play the games the way they're, they're slated. Um, we stay away from talking about last year because, you know, that's, that's easy, that's convenient, but that was, you know, 300 days ago. We're a different team, guys are in different places. Guys have gotten better, so um, we're fortunate enough to be in the playoffs, and we'll take whichever days, whatever games whatever team as they come, uh, just know I'm taking it one game at a time. So that was such a James Jones answer right there. Such a player answer. <laughs> if you just if you gave me the script of the answer, it's so I couldn't hear the voice, and you didn't attribute it to anybody, I'd have been like, well, let's see, that's James Jones. Yeah. Maybe Monty Williams, but no, it sounds like James Jones. Yeah. That's just what a player would say and what a player would think. But that's James Jones. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, we played this a little bit yesterday. We're going to come back and, and, and play another round of it. Which skills do you value the most in your NFL draft prospects? I'm going to throw a couple options at Wolf. Wolf's going to give an answer, and then we are going to use the answer key to figure out who that player is. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The hottest ticket in town. Fire! Fire! Well, the fact that you're hearing this uh, guy chant fire again means that William did not call in, William from Mesa. So we got to give away his chance to qualify for playoff tickets. Wolf, what caller number do you want to throw out there? Let's go three. Caller number three right now in honor of Chris Paul. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't intentional, was it? Caller number three right now at 602-260-9870. Again, 602-260-9870. Caller, no, caller number three qualifies for the hottest tickets uh, giveaway and a chance to go see the Suns and Clippers on Sunday night. That music always kind of cracks me off, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so we did this yesterday, Wolf. We're going to do it differently today. We got a bunch more. We had we had a ton of of this, and we just ran out of time yesterday. Okay. So the way this is, uh, the genesis of this is, ESPN. They do this each year. Went through the NFL drafts and named their best prospect based on fifty three different skills. So they have fifty three different best prospects, right? Like for example, I'm trying to think what we did yesterday, like. I don't want to give any of these ones away, but we did we did like pass rush and we did a couple receivers yesterday. Like most explosive receiver. Yeah. Zay Flowers, that's who they have out of Boston College. Best route runner. Uh Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
out of Ohio State. Yeah. So the way we're doing this is you haven't seen the answers. So I'm just going to throw out two traits, and you tell me which one's more important to you. Okay. And then we'll just fire off the draft capsule of I that player. That. Sounds good. So you're basically, you're blindly picking your players. You don't get to pick based on name right. or school or anything, just the best trait. It's so fun. That's the goal, yes. Yeah, you know what? I, I love the process, and I love the preparation and the fun that comes with it, KD. Uh, let's see. I kind of want to do quarterback here. I know the Cardinals aren't going to take a quarterback, but let's let's go. Let's We're going to do a quarterback one because okay. we haven't done that yet. All right. Uh, and I'm actually going to give you three for this one. Everything else will be two. Okay. Do you want best arm talent, quickest release, or most accurate passer? Most accurate passer. Okay. C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. He has just about everything you would want in a quarterback. He is accurate. He strikes without hesitation. He's fiercely competitive, and he shows maturity in his game management. Stroud was widely praised for his performance against Georgia in the college football playoff last season when he completed 68% of his passes for 348 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions against the eventual national champs. The one knock against Stroud is his hesitation to use his legs. At Ohio State, he rarely took off running to extend drives. Most experts have him ranked as the second best quarterback in this class, only behind Alabama's Bryce Young. NFL comp, Lions quarterback Jared Goff. Mm, that, that feels like a shot there at it the does. end. <laughs> why does it... Wow, yeah. Um, okay. Goff was a high pick, wasn't he one? He, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best <laughs> yeah. year for quarterbacks. Yeah, but still, no, you're yeah. right about that. Um, okay, C.J. Stroud, the most accurate. I did not expect that. I didn't. Um, Anthony Richardson, yes. C.J. Stroud, no. I, Anthony Richardson, no, I guess is what I meant. Because he he's just not accurate at all. And it's one of the reasons why I question whether or not Anthony Richardson is indeed going to pan out to be a franchise quarterback. But I think somebody believes that he is. Yeah, the other two options I gave you, door two and door three that you didn't take, were best arm talent. That was Anthony okay. Richardson. And a yeah, quickest release was Will Levis. Okay, wow, you Will Levis, right there. Yeah. Uh, what other categories do they actually have? What other skills do for they quarterbacks? have for a quarterback? I'd love to hear that. Uh, they have best mechanics, and they have best field vision. Oh, see, the the field vision is really, really important right there. Really, is honestly, Basinonians, I would say this right here. If you don't have field vision, forget about everything else. If I can, I hear that one you, right there. You just set it up again. You want what? Best field vision. Best field. Best vision. field yeah. vision. Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. There's not many questions that Young needs to answer to prove he's a capable starter in the NFL. From winning three state titles at Matter Day High School to winning a Heisman Trophy in 2021 with the Crimson Tide, the signal caller knows how to win. Officially listed as five foot ten and two hundred four pounds, his smaller frame draws concern for future injuries. Injuries, and his deep ball isn't as strong as some of the top names in the game. But his experience running an NFL-level offense under Bama OC Bill O'Brien shows optimism that he can get comfortable in a system early and become a day-one starter. NFL comp, former New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. 
I don't know why, but every time I hear one of the like that's that's attack voicing that right. That's Zach Morrison yes, right there. Yeah. It doesn't. It, it, can't you just picture him also playing the guitar riff as he's voicing <laughs> the thing? Like I'm going to talk calmly about Bryce Young, but I'm also going to play this guitar riff. I've yeah, been working you know, on. I, I just, now that you mention it, yeah, yeah. I, I could see Zach Attack doing that right there. <laughs> um, not a surprise. Bryce Young, based earnings, has the best field vision. It really is so important. It is critical for any quarterback. I, I think of the greats that have played this game. And when you think of the great quarterbacks, Kurt Warner comes to mind, to me at least, uh, quickly. And the reason being is because of how well Kurt Warner not only read coverage, but anticipated coverage. Does that make sense? It does, yes. And I'm, I'm, well, only, I, I, grinning I'm, I'm grinning because I found the next one we're going to do. <laughs> This, okay, is, this is my gift to you, okay? We're going to go tight end because we had Mel Kuyper Jr. on earlier in the show, and he said tight end is the most loaded position in this class. Now, he also pointed out there aren't a lot of loaded positions in this draft class as of right now. Yeah, tight end and corner, he said. Yeah. So we can go corner if you want, but I know deep down you want to go tight end. And this is kind of the classic uh, dilemma for, well, maybe not for you, but we're going to find out. you got two options here, tight end, okay? Do you want the best red zone target, or do you want the best blocking tight end? <laughs> Uh, I'll take the best blocking tight end, please. Michael Mayer, tight end, Notre Dame. Mayer possesses the size for difficult first down receptions underneath. The six foot four and a half, 249 pound tight end has a better blocking technique than most of the other tight end prospects in the draft, and he does not get easily sidetracked by route or catch conflict. Last year at Notre Dame, he had a terrific junior season with 67 catches, 809 yards, and nine touchdowns. He can lag a bit in his release and acceleration off the line and needs to have faster hands on his blocks. NFL comp, Cowboys legend, Jason Witten. Uh, door number two was uh, Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. Oh, can I hear huge. that one, too? Hear because that? Well, Darnell got... Washington was uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., yeah, of he, course. Yeah, you want to hear that Kuiper one, too? Mel Jr. <laughs> okay, I'm going to play it. Darnell Washington, tight end, Georgia. One of the top tight end athletes in this year's draft who relies on pure power to displace defenders. At six foot seven, 260 pounds, Washington presents opposing defenses with a perennial mismatch. However, he needs to work on his overall blocking and catching technique to become a consistent force. Despite some brushing up on the basics, his massive frame and shredded physique means he can bring value both in blocking and receiving schemes for any team. NFL comparison, former Arizona Cardinal Darren Fells. Okay. There you go. Darren Fells. Interesting. All right. We got to play one more real quick. Okay, I'm going to do corner. That was, okay. that was the whole point. Well, not the whole point. Uh, you get two options. Best transition ability or most urgency in coverage for a corner. Most urgency in coverage. Okay. Devon Witherspoon, cornerback, Illinois. Witherspoon had an amazing junior season at Illinois. The 5'11.5", 181-pound cornerback, did not allow a touchdown all year and had the number one coverage grade in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. He consistently plays with a sense of urgency to deny catches and is an aggressive tackler after the catch and in run support. However, he does lack top-level speed. NFL comp, Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback, Levi Wallace. Now, Kuiper also told us he's one of the best just pure players in this draft. Yeah. Devon Weatherspoon. Kuiper was all over him, yeah. yeah. 
I'd like to go back, though, and talk about Darnell Washington. I know you would. <laughs> that's, that's why I steered that you. Is, no, that is fantastic right there. It's a big advantage, base in Orleans, when you can go 11 personnel and run down situation. First and 10, second and 1 to 6, 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. You can be that explosive because of 11 personnel, because of three wide receivers on the field. And yet... In rundown situation, you can still line up and just hammer the ball in between the tackles and run the ball and do it effectively. You know how powerful that is? Because you got a stud tight end, a true stud tight end. Well, Kuyper talked about him. Remember he said there were other other people are talking about him like almost like he could be an offensive lineman. Yes. Darnell Washington. I, I know. We'll, we'll get into the Kuiper stuff. Huge a huge advantage. Uh, join Burns and Gambo at the Top Golf Swing Suite at Gila River Resorts and Casinos tomorrow from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. They'll be giving away Suns playoff T-shirts, water bottles, and backpacks. Plus, you can meet Suns legend Tom Chambers if you get there between five and six. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details. You must be 21 years and over to attend the event. When we come back, the NBA play-in tournament continued last night. So do the Thunder or Timberwolves actually have any sort of shot against the Nuggets? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, no NBA tonight. You got two more play-in games tomorrow, and then we're done with the play-in. We get to the uh, the real thing. You've got Bulls heat. Obviously, at this point, you win, you're the eighth seed, you lose, you're out. And you've got Thunder Timberwolves uh, tomorrow as well. Win and you play Denver, lose, and you're out. Wolf, I can't help but look at that Thunder Timberwolves series, though, is it's, it's more like um, lose and you're out, win, and you're out in like five games. Because you're not beating Denver, right? Yeah. And neither one of those teams has beaten Denver. Minnesota is intriguing, but they're also a mess. They are a mess right now, honestly. I I can't wait to see the T-Wolves play again and what kind of game Anthony Edwards <laughs> Because has. anything could happen. Uh, seriously. <laughs> this guy is one of the most prolific scorers of the basketball. His athleticism is off the charts, and he looked totally ineffective. Totally ineffective in his last game. Stunning. It, 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 it was it was unreal. The Timberwolves were unreal and not in a good way in the fourth quarter in overtime. But they are this team now where it's like you, you watch because you can't look away. They might just not make a shot for like an entire quarter. They uh, they might somebody might punch a wall. Somebody might punch a teammate. Yeah. Like anything goes when the Timberwolves play. I believe they call that a hot mess. That's, <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. The Timberwolves are a hot mess, and yet somehow they are still uh, they're still one of the teams that's alive in, in, in the NBA. Playing the Thunder, who took out New Orleans last night, I continue to be baffled by how New Orleans couldn't even be a playoff team this season. I, I get that Zion is you can't you can't rely on him, but they didn't have him last year when they when they nearly took the Suns out or at least pushed the Suns in the first round. Uh, but SGA, man, talk about a, a year where. 
everybody knew he was good before this year, but this is like truly his coming out party if they can beat Minnesota and actually make the playoffs because it's just him and a bunch of young players that weren't supposed to be anything yet. Yeah, no, no, I love that. Um, SGA, he only scored eight points in that fourth quarter base in Onions, but you'll never find two points bigger than the baseline fadeaway. Did you see that yeah. shot that he's, put him up yeah. Put him up by one with 28 seconds to go right there? It's not just being talented, ladies and gentlemen. It's also being talented when you need to be the most. And that's what he was, in my opinion. Uh, here's his coach talking about SGA. I think the first one was um, early on. I think he he knew how he was going to get played, and he's got the poise to basically get the other guys going and be a screener and be a weak side spacer. Uh, and I thought he gave our other players confidence in the first half. Um, and then we probably were a little late to insert him the way we did in the third. You know, I probably, me personally, could have done a better job, like end of the first half, of getting him the ball a little bit more in better spots. And then we made that adjustment at halftime, and obviously he was cooking in the third. So cool to hear a coach, right, an NBA coach, talking about how one player gives another player confidence on the floor. It's so cool to see that. The impact, it reminds me of the impact of people. Based on earnings, never forget that. Players, yes, but people first. And people impact people in a very intangible kind of way. And that's what he is alluding to right there. Josh Giddy, I thought, was incredible as well in this game. Oh, man. Lit it up. He was veritable fire. 31 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. He made so many plays, too. If you watch him, I love the way he moves the ball. Made so many plays with his brain. Well, you know, I said this earlier. Dallas doesn't make the playoffs. New Orleans doesn't make the playoffs. Two teams that the Suns played last year. And I I don't know where you were at the end of of the playoffs last year, but I I was a believer in what New Orleans was doing. I wasn't a believer in Dallas. Luka's great, but I'm not a believer in that team. And then they went out and lost Jalen Brunson and then proceeded to purposely miss the playoffs. So that's a new one. Uh, But New Orleans is a team I thought was one of the eight best teams. And yet you look around the Western Conference and you realize just how ridiculous this conference has gotten. And Oklahoma City... Okay, you got SGA. You had the first pick in the draft last year, and he didn't play a second because he got hurt before the season in Chet Holmgren. Mm-hmm. So this team that might make the playoffs is going to add Chet Holmgren before next uh, season, too. That's going to be a team that I'm not saying that they're like in line to win the Western Conference next year, but you're going to have SGA, Josh Giddy, like you just mentioned, mentioned uh, Chet Holmgren. They have other pieces that are kind of young and developing as well, like Jalen Williams. Yeah, the, the really good Jalen Williams, yeah, not, not say, the yeah. adequate Jalen Williams. <laughs> so weird, right there, that situation. But again, I have to come back to this. Because when you see a guy play in his first playoff game, and that's what I'm going to call this. I know it's the play-in game based on audience, but guess what? It's a playoff game to me. When, when we start talking about the play-in games to get into the playoffs, that is a playoff game to me. That is a high-leverage situation. you got one game. Okay, I, I get it. If you're not the 7 or 8 seed, maybe you've got two games. But he had one game. Play. If they lost, he was done. First First opportunity for him to go out there and light it up. And this kid at 20 years of age, Josh Giddy, 20 years of age, goes out 31, 10, and 9. 
That's a pretty good way to go. <laughs> pretty solid performance there. Uh, we have to get over to the East, too, because if for no other reason than for me to just play this uh, clip right here as the Bulls were taking on the Raptors. Wolf, I want, I'm going to set the scene for you, okay? Let's just say you're a Toronto Raptor. Okay. And you're like, all right, you know, it's kind of been a down year, but we'll just we'll beat the Bulls at the 10 seed and we'll we'll just move on, okay? And we'll get into the this uh, this matchup to make the make the playoffs as an 8 seed. Okay, well, we're going to shoot a free throw. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll try 36 of them tonight, okay? So here you are at the line one of these times. The arena goes quiet because you're you're at home, right? And then there's this. There's the <laughs> Well, that's loud. <laughs> that was DeMar DeRozan's daughter, was it not? It was. DR DeRozan, as a matter of fact, who I believe, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm not mistaken, is 12 years old and was sitting in the front row. Of course, had excellent seats, I might and add. Probably has a career as like a voiceover <laughs> actor if she wants it someday. And she was screaming whenever the Raptor players were trying to make a free throw, correct? Yes. Interesting. Can I hear it one more time? You, you Listen can. to this, Space and Onions. Keeping him to about 50%. Yeah, think about it. The, the Raptors missed 18 free throws in this game. They were 18 of 36 from the line. 18 of 36 from the line. And you lose the game by what, four? By four, you led by 11 at halftime, and you missed 18 free throws in a basketball game. I I don't know how you don't look at that and say that's what lost the Raptors the game. Well, the free throws definitely are what lost the Raptors the game. So are you yeah, saying I mean, that... Are, are, you, is it, are, are we saying it's because of DR? I got to feel like some of those were. That's a pretty aggressive scream, man. Like, if you don't actually hear it, you just hear somebody tell the story to you today. How would you hear uh, the Bulls game last night? DeMar DeRozan's daughter was yelling when the other team shot. Like, okay, yeah, cool. Right. But then when you hear it, and you remember they were in Toronto, <laughs> so the Toronto fans were being extra quiet when okay. their guys were shooting free throws, and then you hear that scream? I Honestly, I think you could yell. Like, that'd be okay. I, I, I'd say, okay, if, if that were my daughter, Basinonians, I, I would be saying, knock it off. If I were a player, and that was my daughter screaming like that, like she was in trouble, screaming. Like that. Yeah, there's like a sense of urgency okay, to that. Exactly. Yeah. I would I would say, hey, honey, listen, I, I know what you're doing. Thank you so much. I, I love you. But knock that off, okay? Don't do that anymore. If that if, if I were a player, yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. I, I would have told my daughter that. Um, because I don't think it's very professional. Um yelling? If you want to yell at me, I got no problem with that. I I, I get that. That's part of it. A a twelve year old screaming. <laughs> Well, like especially like that. Trouble? Like, yeah, I'm that's sorry. the thing. Now, I'll, I'll I say, I, I can't handle it. I, I would, I would be probably in the same spot. I don't know that I would go up and tell her during the game, but I probably would talk oh, to her no, after I, the game. I definitely like, would have told. Yeah. Her well, but I, but point. you know, after the game, I'd have been like, okay, we can't be doing yeah, that going I'd, forward. You know, Stephanie, the Warrior Queen, sitting there, I would have walked over and said, "Hey, hunt," you know. Yeah, the warrior queen would have would have taken care That's of it because she saying. takes care of everything. Yeah, uh, but but I will say this: if you're the Raptors, like I get it, the first time you hear that, you're like, "Whoa, hold on!" Like is something going on. Um, you probably don't need to miss 18 free throws over it, though. Like you know, you'd still probably make like I don't know nine of those 18. 
So some of this falls on the Raptors there for shooting had to be a reason why. 50%. There had to be a reason why they were missing free throws. Yeah, but at a certain point, don't you don't you know, like, hey, she's going to scream. I, I'm just going to go ahead and make the free throw anyway. 15 of 32 from the line. They're starters. 15 of 32. They shot 47% from the free throw line. Come on, man. You got to be kidding. All right, come back. The NFL draft is two weeks from today. So what looms for the Cardinals? We're going to react to what Mel Kuyper Jr. told us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.